If your steering wheel has more traction than your actual tires, that's a big O no. Thankfully, for all your car's big O no's, there's always a big O yes. Now through February 2nd, buy three, get one free on select sets of four Aspen Touring AS or Mesa AP2 brand tires with paid installation purchase. Big O Tires, the team you trust. Disposal fees extra and up to 10% shop fee based on non-discounted regular retail price not to exceed $35 were permitted. See store for pricing. Eligibility may vary. Not valid with other offers. At participating locations, no cash value. Hey, it's Blair. Hey, we have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners. Unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns we have to offer. And it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. For your convenience, your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. A lot of subscription services won't tell you that. They'll just sneak it on there. We just told you. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. New Year is here, and so is Sports BKC, presented by Big O Tires. Sam Mellinger, Sam McDowell, and Herbie Teope join me, Blair Kirkhoff, at the Big O Tires on 151st Street in Stanley to talk Chiefs on a January 2nd Facebook Live. It's now presented as a podcast. As the number two seed, the Chiefs don't play during the wildcard round, but they'll be scouting possible future opponents when the Patriots take on the Titans and the Bills meet the Texans on Saturday. We'll talk about which opponents the Chiefs may match up well against. Later in the show, we ask the hypothetical question, if you could take one former player from the Chiefs in the 2010s or the teens or whatever we called this last decade and add them to the current roster, who would that be? Both sides of the ball were represented in our responses. Welcome. (laughs) Welcome to a new year, a new decade, and to Red Zone Extra on Facebook Live. We are here to talk Chiefs with you. You know who's here to talk Chiefs with you? Sam Mellinger is here. Sam McDowell is here. Herbie Teope is here. Vahe Gregorian, on assignment. (laughs) (laughs) Wink, wink. (laughs) (laughs) I miss you, Vahe. Safe travels during this. uh, We are at Big O Tires at 7953, West 151st. No, no, not West, just regular. 151st Street in Overland Park. I live on a West 153rd Street, um, so that's why I got the West. It is West, it, but on the yeah, on the address here it isn't. Okay, so it is West. We're on West 151st Street in Overland Park, and and guys, I don't know about you, we we we, we hit big O tires all over the metro. If there was you know a, a kind of a need to make one a permanent spot, it, it would not. It be would be this one, wouldn't it? Legends. I'd, I'd be happy for you. I'd be happy for you. You've earned it. Uh, how was everybody's New Year? It was great. Did Good. you bring it in? Bring it in, uh, big party? Yeah, bring it in 11.30 p.m. And <laughs> hit the pillow? Yep. <laughs> McDowell, you're the party man. I mean, we we went to a party. I don't think I was going Woo. nuts. Look at you. <laughs> Herbie, I know you were out partying. Oh, absolutely. And I have my pet goat in the Jeep right now. <laughs> so when we, we'll finish here. I got to go take it out in the pasture and walk it around. 
reference uh, KansasCity.com to understand what Herbie's talking about with his pet goat story. Um, we're here to talk Chiefs with you, so send us your question, comments. We tweeted out the address. We're at uh, you know, Facebook.com slash Red Zone Extra. Uh, the Chiefs don't have an opponent this week. I don't know if you guys knew that or not. <laughs> Chiefs are not yeah. playing this week, but we're coming at you. But we are going to talk about potential Chiefs opponents. And there was a little bit of news that came out of Sunday's game against the Chargers in that not just the, the, the Chiefs switching uh, seeds, they went in as a three seed, they left as a two seed, which changed everything about the week for the Chiefs, who I think, Herbie, are back to practice today. Is that what we, is that what we think? Correct. Yeah, so they're back at practice today on Thursday. We'll, without knowing who the opponent is, uh, but we'll talk about the potential opponents here a little bit. They came out of uh, Sunday's game against the Chargers with, a, with an injury. Sam Mellinger's pick to, uh, you know, rubber meets the road pick last week was the Chiefs trainer, Rick Burkholter. Didn't come through, obviously. <laughs> no, did not <laughs> reinforce that ACL. <laughs> no. So uh, Chief Safety Juan Thornhill injured uh, ACL out for the year, and that's... That's no minor thing, is it? I mean, Herbie, you, Juan Thornhill has been a terrific player. For yeah, a, that's a significant blow to the defense. Put it this way, Juan Thornhill in his rookie year has logged the second highest defensive snaps on the Chiefs, only behind Tyrone Matthew. The Chiefs have a, a tremendous blow back there, and they've got to figure out how they're going to handle that safety position as they enter the postseason. There are two options right now. Our second-year pro, Armani Watts, who recorded a, a career-high 48 defensive snaps in the season finale, and also Kendall Fuller, who's an option there, and Chief Coach Andy Reid said Monday that, hey, Spags will figure it out, meaning defensive coordinator Steve Spagnolo. They have options there, that's the key thing, and they do have two people back there who can play it. I don't know if you want to trust Watts back there in the playoffs, why not go with a proven veteran and Kendall Fuller? who, as Coach Reed pointed out, has the flexibility to play cornerback and safety. And I think if you're in the postseason, don't even gamble there. Put, put Fuller back there. That's what I would do. But I'm not the coach. Well, what does this mean? I mean, what does this mean for, for Teran Matthew and the way he plays? Well, I, I thought Juan Thornhill, one of the great, uh, you know, one of his strengths was, you know, he was so good, he allowed Teran Matthew to freelance a little bit, didn't he? Don't you think, Sam? I think 100%. And, and um Juan Thornhill is, is more physically gifted than Kendall Fuller or Armani Watts. He, he's longer, he's faster, all those things. Um, but there's also, I don't know when exactly it happened, somewhere around week five, six, seven, somewhere in there, uh, he caught up mentally too. I mean, that's not an easy thing to do as a rookie, um, to come in. And, and I think like in, in the second half of the season, what I'm saying is that uh, you could see Tyron trusted a little bit more, knew that Thornhill's gonna have this, he's gonna be in this spot, that means I can go, you know, take a chance and, and, and go cover somebody else. So, um, and, and look, like, Tyron Matthew is, is <laughs> he's exceptional, um, physically, mentally, everything. He's still gonna figure, yeah. out, figure it out, but it's an adjustment. It, it's, it's amazing, and, and I really believe this, out of the sort of name brand stars, you know, uh, Mahomes, Kelsey, Hill, Matthew, Chris Jones, Frank Clark, I think Juan Thornhill is the most important guy on that team outside mm. of that that sort of right. that tier. And it's because they have to adjust. And it doesn't have to be a fatal flaw, but it does mean that they have to adjust. What do we know about Armani Watts? I mean, he um, you know, he was actually, I'll tell you something about Armani Watts. He was part of the trade, the Marcus Peters trade. He was 
he ended up being a draft pick that the um, that the Chiefs got when they when they traded uh, Marcus Peters to the Rams. Right. Thornhill was also in that uh, the draft pick that the Chiefs got. They they used on Thornhill, so they got two safeties essentially for for Marcus Peters. But Watts, um, you know, as Herbie said, you know, his his. His 48 snaps on Sunday were not only a career high, he had 26 defensive snaps coming into the game. Yeah. I mean, he just doesn't play. On the season. Yeah, yeah on, the season. on the season. Yeah, right. I mean, what do we know about him? Not much. I think because there's not much out yeah. there on film. He's a good special teams guy, so they've dressed him all year long because he's good on special teams. Uh, the, the Armani play, Watts play that sticks out is uh, him, him somehow sniffing out the, the, the punter for the Broncos. <laughs> that's right. That's <laughs> in, right. That was op- play Yeah, in open space on a, on a fake punt. But um, I thought he played pretty well, actually, when I went back I and watched too. the game. Um, so I was with Herbie thinking that Kendall Fuller should be the guy. But I think Watts played well enough to where he's going to be on the f- field. And, and let, let's face it, they were both on the field a lot yeah. uh, mm-hmm. at right. the end of the game. That's so just I, how I still, the Chiefs play now, right? Yeah, I mean, they play a lot of dime coverage right. on third down. So I think we could see both of those guys along with Daniel Sorensen, who we haven't mentioned because he's on the field usually anyway, because um, they, they've been playing three safeties a lot, putting Tyron Matthew on the line of scrimmage more. And that's where I think maybe the adjustment comes. As Tyron Matthew has got to play just straight-up coverage a lot late in this season, which is where he says he prefers to play. And now maybe I don't know whether you, you have that luxury anymore. Right. Okay, one of our uh, one of our loyal followers here, Brian LaBerge, wants to know about LaShawn McCoy and what we expect from him in the postseason. I, I thought he'd get some snaps. <laughs> I thought he'd be on the field Sunday against the Chargers just to maybe knock off a little rust or something, but I, I don't know. There's- I mean... As Amy Reed said, when he was uh, healthy and active it, back against the Tennessee Titans, we're saving him for the postseason. Yeah, load management. Yeah. I hadn't heard much of that. We're about ready to find out if that's the case, but I don't think you mess with a good thing right now. And you wrote about Damian Williams after the game. The guy is just, he's on fire in these last two games. Mr. January is starting to emerge again, and I don't think you mess with a good thing there. If, if Williams is hot, you stick with Williams. Excuse me. Yeah, you stick with Williams and don't try to force the issue by getting LaShawn McCoy in there. This is Williams' backfield. How about the Chiefs have had some great running backs over the years, right? Just in recent history, you know, Larry Johnson, Jamal Charles, Priest Holmes. Damian Williams has two of the top five runs in Chiefs history, and they've happened in the last nine games. <laughs> the 91-yarder against Minnesota and then the 84-yarder the other day. You know, I, I was doing the, doing the math on this. Um, 37% of Damian Williams' rushing totals this year have been on two plays. <laughs> you know, that's, um, can, can the Chiefs win with him in the backfield? I think so. And, and Sam McDowell, you, you've been making this point for weeks about the, the, the best version of the Chiefs' offense is if Damian Williams is his best self. Yeah. And, and I, I totally agree with that. He, he's the most versatile. He's, he's really the only, maybe Darwin Thompson can do it. We haven't seen enough of him to say one way or the other. But he's a home run threat, obviously. Uh, pretty good in pass protection, can catch the ball. I mean, he's, he's got some versatility to him. Right. And, and there's, a, there's an edge about him that I don't think exists as much with LaShawn McCoy. And, you know, Darwin Thompson's got to pass protect. I mean, if you, <laughs> the number one thing about the if, if you're not good for Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> you're going to be on the field uh, a, a lot less. And, and so that, that's his big hole. But if Damian Williams can be the guy that we've seen these last few weeks, then uh, then yeah, I mean, I think the Chiefs can, you know, that, that's their best version. Two things really stood out to me, just in the, the finale, outside of the 84-yard the, the touchdown, 
Um, he caught, what, five passes, wasn't mm-hmm. it, in, in that yep. game? Um, so he, he's a threat in, in the receiving game that I don't think those other two guys are right now, and neither was Spencer Ware, really. Um, and if you go back and look at the Demarcus Robinson touchdown, uh, Damien Williams blocks Joey Bosa on that because Bosa beats Eric Fisher initially on the, off the mm-hmm. edge, and Williams is right there and blocks him and allows Fisher to reset in that position. And I don't know if that touchdown happens without that play mm-hmm. happening. So he, he's, he's good in pass protection as well. And I, I think he's got to play at least maybe 75, 80% of the snaps in the, in the playoffs now. So I, to answer that question, I don't think we're going to see a lot of LaShawn McCoy. One more quick point about Damian Williams, too. Like, um, you know, these two runs, I didn't realize they're 37%. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, you know, that's what sticks out. He, but he's got some toughness to him, too. And both of those touchdowns um, in, in Week 17, he showed some tough, like running through guys. That was an embarrassment. If you're, <laughs> um, if you're like watching it from a Chargers point of view, that long touchdown was embarrassing. Oh, there yeah. were like yeah. four or five guys that not just had a chance, but should have had. It's it. So obvious that two other guys just completely <laughs> stopped on the play. Yeah. Thinking, well, he's got us. He's got that was brutal from yeah. the Chargers point of view. And then, and then the shorter one that set up uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick's <laughs> touchdown pass. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he, he, he also ran through some defenders there. Yeah, well. that was that was great balance. Mm-hmm. He looked like he was down, but he kept his feet and, and seven yards into the end zone. Um, so you guys are right. I mean, the guy is. Uh, um, he was money last year <clears throat> in the postseason. In the postseason yeah. And uh, uh, <clears throat> big game against the Colts and then also against the Patriots, uh, rushing against the Colts and out of the backfield against New England. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see. But uh, look, I just think the fact that he missed four, was it four games he missed uh, with the rib injury? Three games with the bye. So technically. Okay, yeah. so four, yeah. so a month he missed. You know, but he missed games earlier this year as well. Yeah, yeah he's missed five total games yeah. on the year. It might help him just kind of strength-wise, right? He didn't, uh, I, I, look. Load I, we, management. Load management, that's right. <laughs> look, the rib injury obviously was serious enough to keep him out for as long as it did, but assuming he came back as healthy as he can be, that took the wear and tear off his legs a little bit too. He's only rushed, he, He's the Chiefs' leading rusher this year, and I think it's like 490 yards or something. You know, so um, he knew thousand-yard rush. Even he and and Lashawn McCoy didn't combine for a thousand yards um, for uh, for the Chiefs this year. Um, okay, so those are kind of the two uh, two positions or and two players I think of a lot a lot of interest this going into the playoffs for the Chiefs. What we don't know about the Chiefs is who they're going to end up playing uh, a week from Sunday. We know the time, right? Two o'clock, I believe, mm-hmm. kickoff mm-hmm. at Arrowhead on Sunday, January 12th. 12th. Thank you very much. I forgot about that. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so we know it's one of three teams. The, 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 since the Chiefs are the two, the team that they can't play in that divisional round game are the six-seeded Tennessee Titans. The only, time they, the only time they would see the Titans would be in the AFC Championship game at, at Arrowhead Stadium. But they, they can play either the the New England Patriots, the three seed, or either the four or the five, which are the the Houston Texans or the uh, Buffalo Bills. Who is the best matchup for the Chiefs? We talked about it a little bit after the Facebook Live and in the post game, because we knew the playoff uh, positions then. Has anything changed about the way you think about uh, the Chiefs opponents in the the divisional round? I don't think so. I I think if you're the Chiefs, you, you want the Patriots. The Patriots just You want the best seed. You want the best remaining seed. Absolutely, because the Patriots just aren't the same team that... And I mentioned this on Sunday. I've always been a Patriots apologist because every year they always start off slow and I'm like, dudes, they're going to turn it around because it's the Patriots. I just don't see that anymore. This is not the same team... Not having Gronkowski absolutely hurts that offense. Tom Brady just does not look the same. He's a shell of his former self. 
if you want to advance from the playoffs, get the team that has been the thorn in your side in the last two, two postseasons, and that's the Patriots. You beat them, and you set yourself up for that road game in Baltimore. You want to go to the Super Bowl? Go through what's been the best in the AFC, and that's the, the Patriots. We think so. I, I think if, if you get a choice between the three teams, I think you want to see the Bills. Um, the only, I agree with Herbie that the Patriots aren't what they used to be, and they're not a team that would scare me, but they still have Bill Belichick, and he's still the best coach in the NFL. And I don't think the Bills can match that factor. They've got a quarterback who is unproven. I mean, it's his first time in the yeah. postseason. So the only thing, and both of these teams are actually kind of similar, uh, more similar than, than probably what, what, what you would think. But on paper... They both are really good in pass defense, so I think that would be an interesting matchup against the Chiefs. You know, nobody defends the deep ball better than the Patriots do. We saw that against the Chiefs. The Chiefs completed one deep ball with McCole Hardman, but otherwise they were kind of shut down in the, in the deep passing game. Well, second on that list is Buffalo. They're really mm -hmm. good in, in, uh, in deep coverage as well. Passes beyond 10 yards. Tredavious White is, is probably top two or three cornerback in the game. And ironically enough, that's the guy that the Bills got whenever the, the Chiefs made the Patrick Mahomes trade. So he was taken in the Chiefs' original slot. But um, those are the only two probably concerning things about playing those teams is playing against that pass defense no matter which one. But if you got a choice, I think it's the Bills. Okay. Texans are still on the board uh, with J.J. Watt. Well, I, I think it's almost a coin flip for me between the Bills and the Patriots. I, I think the Bills, if I'm the Chiefs, I would choose the Bills. But the Patriots are, I don't know, I, I think either one of those teams is fine. I think the Texans would be the toughest matchup of the three by, by a bunch. I, like the, the gap between whoever you think is two and the Texans, I think, is much bigger than the gap between one and two. I just, um, they have, in, in my opinion, for whatever that's worth, uh, I think there's three elite quarterbacks in the AFC. And one of them plays for the Chiefs, one of them plays for the Ravens, and one of them plays for the Texans. And I just think the, the longer, the, the fewer times that, that you have to play an elite quarterback like that, the better off you are. I like that thinking. Um, so if, if, um, if, I, if I'm hearing you correctly, and I think I am, uh, the, the semifinals will be Patriots, Chiefs, Texans, Ravens. Yeah, I mean, I, I think those are... I think the Titans have a chance. I think the Titans beat the Patriots. Um, I, 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 think I actually think the Texans will end up coming. Here. I think they have a legitimate well, chance. They're, they're a tough team, and like, I kind of dismissed this when it was just like a two or three game sample or whatever. But they were a different offense with Ryan Tannehill. You know, absolutely. He's seven and three as a starter. Yeah, and uh, it, if you look at his like, you know, yards per attempt and passer rating, and, and leads the league since yeah. he came in. Yeah. And even if you just watch the film, it's not just numbers. But if you watch the film, I mean, he he's making plays that. They're not elite, but I mean, he's just making damn good quarterback plays. It, it doesn't look fluky to me at all. I and they get a healthy Derrick Henry back too. Yeah, yeah I, I think they're <laughs> since Tannehill. <laughs> <laughs> I think since Tannehill came in, their top it's either first or second in yards per uh, pass attempt and first or second in yards per carry as well. Um, okay, Olin Holland uh, was asking us about Eric Bieniemy and uh, and his future and what the Chiefs might do in in uh, if Bieniemy ends up with one of these. Jobs. I got a phone call from a guy in Charlotte this morning wanting to talk about Eric Bieniemy as the potential Panthers coach. Mm -hmm. Where is where is it with Eric Bieniemy? Do we think he's the Chiefs' offensive coordinator next year? It's going to depend on what Bieniemy wants. Because you can interview, but ultimately, when the job is offered, because this isn't unheard of in the National Football League where a job is offered and they decide, no, nah, I don't want that. Josh McDaniels, we're talking to you, but. <laughs> I think Every he, job was accepted. Right? <laughs> yeah, I, I think he, I think, I think the enemy wants to take that next step, uh, and, and I think 
he has the options now. You've got the Browns on the table. You've got uh, the Giants and the Panthers. So he's got three interviews this week. If one of them is offered, which one do you take, though? That's the question. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is a good question. And what's the quarterback situation? What's the most appealing quarterback situation among those three jobs? I take Carolina. <clears throat> Cam Newton. Cam yeah, Newton. absolutely. Yeah. Right. Daniel Jones is a nice. Looks like he might be a nice up and comer, but and I don't. Baker Mayfield. I just. I'm, I'm not. Never been like, sold on him. Can I? Can I have the contrarian point of view here? Though? Yeah. Um, I, I think that the the Browns have just the team. I think that's a good situation for a coach to walk into because. Uh, you know, the, the, the standard, the expectation is, is low enough. Like, you know, whatever you do, they're not going to fire you after one year because they just did that. So you're going to get some time. <laughs> I think you've got a coach, or I'm sorry, you've got a quarterback that you can, I, I think Baker Mayfield can play. Uh, he's I, got weapons too. Yeah, I don't think he's, you know, Deshaun Watson or Lamar, whatever, but I, I think he can play. They've got weapons, like you said. Um, I, I've always thought that that would be, even with John Dorsey being fired, so that connection is no longer there. Which we'll get to after this. I, I just, I think that's a good situation for, for Eric Bieniemy's strengths, for his brain, for his, you know, what, what he's good at. But I think that the, if I was Eric Bieniemy, the, the thing that I would weigh, maybe even more than Baker Mayfield versus Daniel Jones versus Cam Newton, is ownership. Yes, and that has been a huge, big old piling, steaming mess in Cleveland for a really long time. And the, and the Giants have the reputation of one of the most steady, you know, supportive, you know, good ownership groups in the league. That, that's that would be a, a big part of my criteria. But we're also talking like he's just going to get offered all three jobs. You know, like, <laughs> right, right, I, I think right, you right. take whatever job you can get. But one thing that I've admired about the, the way the, the Panthers organization is every every few years they have. They have one of the best teams in the NFL. You know, yeah. every few years that happens there, and I, um, I, I think they're catching them. You'd be catching the Panthers maybe on a on an upswing. Yeah, Christian McCaffrey Something too. Like yeah. Christian McCaffrey's is dangerous. He's unbelievable. The defense. I think Carolina makes the most sense because the defense is already set there. And if you were going to bring in an offense in mind and, and you can improve the offense, you've got to feel confident, well, this side of the ball is taken care of. I feel confident in my ability to, to make this side of the ball work. You, you've got a proven quarterback. And I know he's, he's going to have missed almost a year by the time he plays next year. But Christian McCaffrey is as versatile yeah. as anybody in football. Okay, we brought up John Dorsey. Uh, interesting move there. Uh, <clears throat> so they fired the coach. They fired the GM. What's, what's going on in Cleveland? I don't have any insight, um, but the, fr from I guess as far as like knowing what happened behind the scenes. But what it seems like from the reports is that John wanted more power than ownership was willing to give, which <laughs> I mean, <laughs> history repeats itself in some ways, right? Um, John is an interesting guy. Like, I mean, he is widely in. I think the difference between you know sort of scouting judgments is often overstated. I think everybody misses, everybody hits. It's, you know, it's kind of luck of the draw on, on, at some level. But John, I think, is a little bit different. And I think people inside the game say, that guy is as good of a scout as there's been, you know, in, in, in modern football. But there's obviously some sort of management problem, you know, of him being in charge yeah. of people. That's what happened here. And apparently that's what happened in Cleveland. We were, I, I remember the day that that was announced. You remember, um, Herbie, you weren't here, but the, the day that the Chiefs announced that Dorsey wouldn't be back, it was late in the afternoon on a Friday, and and about four o'clock, the Chiefs released uh, that Andy Reid was getting a contract extension. So 
So that's where everybody's attention. And then about 45 minutes later, at about five o'clock on, on a Friday afternoon, and it's like an, an oh, by the way release, we just fired John Dorsey. Yeah. It's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so uh, look, I, it's funny, we, we tried to contact John after he got fired. We, we, it was like Vahe tried to get in touch with John for a long time after he was released and um, would, wouldn't talk. But look, it's Cleveland's problem. Let Cleveland deal with it. Uh, what a dysfunctional organization that is. And um, I just, I've got, a, I've got a, some family that are big Browns fans. I just feel bad for them. It's, it's, a, it, it's tough being a Browns fan. The, the number of coaching and GM changes in that organization in the last 10 or 15 years is just staggering. <laughs> yep. it, it, just, out, it outranks the other three teams in the division combined. <laughs> That's right. And that division includes the Bengals. Yeah, and I gotta give Dorsey credit for what he did do there in, in Clevelandville because he he did give them pieces. Whoever, whoever comes in as the next head coach, you gotta be happy knowing you got OBJ there, you got Jarvis Landry there, you got Chubb there, you got you have what you think is gonna be a franchise quarterback. You got Miles Garrett there. There's a lot of talent in Cleveland. But can the Haslam stay out of the way? Yeah. That's right. the question. Right. You, you right. got to let your, your football people be football people. That's a good point. Okay, so it's tough being a Browns fan during the regular season or any time of year. <laughs> it's tough being a Chiefs fan during the postseason. Um, the, the list is long, and the, the battle scars are real for, for Chiefs fans. I really do feel bad for Chiefs fans over the years. The way, the way seasons end... Listen, it's better to, to to be in the playoffs than to not be in the playoffs. You could be a Lions fan, for instance, right? <laughs> you could be a Browns fan. It's better to have loved <laughs> A Jets fan. You could be a fan of some other organization. never seems to get there. But the pain that Chiefs fans have felt, you know, let's just say, let's just keep it in this century, you know. Um, yeah. So we'll, 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 we'll not talk about Jan Stenerud and the Christmas Day game, missing the field goals. After kicking three in the Super Bowl to win Super Bowl four, we won't talk about Dave Zott's holding penalty against the Dolphins in the, uh, in the early 90s. But after that, I think starting with Lynn Elliott, um, <laughs> three misses in the 10-7 loss to the Colts. You guys know the list. You guys have felt the pain. Doesn't, don't Chiefs fans come by their, I don't know, skepticism and their scarring naturally? Hell yeah, they do. They, they've been taught to be terrified. <laughs> they've been trained to be terrified. This is the time of year where, uh, it, and it's not just, every team loses playoff games, right? Like, except for the Patriots. Right. Um, every team but one. Every year, every yeah. team but one loses. But like, how many teams lose games when they're up 38 to 10? How many teams lose games when the quarterback throws a touchdown to himself? How many teams lose games when they score 31 points after halftime against Bill Belichick and then they lose the coin flip? How many, and, and in that game, have the game-winning interception? That would have been one of the most iconic moments in Kansas City Chiefs history. But then, of course, this guy is lined up offside. Four so, inches, we found yeah. out this so, recently. It was so four it's, inches. It's wiped out. And then it, it just gets worse the deeper you get because then you find out, like, D Ford wasn't warned. Usually referees warn. You know, I mean, it's just like so many. Just oh, the you, you just the knife's in there, and they twist a little bit, and then oh, they usually warn. Twist a little bit more. Didn't warn. Twist even more. Like I mean, it's just. 
I feel for you guys. I'll, I'll add to that the uh, the fish hook game. Eric Fisher called oh, the ball. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Which was, giving up a touchdown. Right? Without giving, yeah, six field goals to the Steelers at home. A home game didn't give up a touchdown. Lost. <laughs> right, right. And uh, and in the game, the Marcus Mariota game that you referred to, where he threw the touchdown pass to himself. Derek Johnson was called for the. Yeah. Uh, what, what was the penalty? Uh, forward progress. Yeah, forward that was progress. An insane yep, 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 call. Yep, yep, yep. Called the turnover. Forward progress. <laughs> I mean, that would have been like they might as well have called them out of bounds for all like I mean just, for all the sense that that call made. <laughs> and his progress had been stopped. Yeah. <laughs> right. We didn't even mention that. I they lost a playoff game without punting. That's right. The Colts. The no-punt game. God. Right. Um, and when you mentioned the uh, the 38-10 to 10 lead on the Colts in the wildcard game in 2013, part of the comeback was fueled by a fumble that was returned to the quarterback. Yeah, Andrew, Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck. Bounced off a helmet. <laughs> Back to Luck, who took, who took it in. Fumbled to himself. <laughs> right. they, lost, they lost playoff games. <laughs> Fumbling to themselves and throwing the touchdown. The Chiefs have never won a playoff game with anything like that happening good to them, have they? I mean, no, they just beat the crappy Texans. Right. Who was their Brian Hoyer. Brian Hoyer. Yeah. Yeah. And, they just and, then the, and then the Colts. They beat Luck Colts. beat Andrew Luck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To give them, uh, and last year that, that went over the Colts, improved their record in home playoff games to 3-8. and eight. <laughs> <laughs> 3 and 7 at the time. They lost the Patriots next week to go and to 3 dropped and the Colts and ever had to what, 3-1? Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Sam, you live, you've lived here your whole life as well. What's... Is it, is it comparable to Missouri Tiger-type luck? You know, is it a fifth-down flea kicker? What strikes me most is the loyalty that Chiefs fans still have. They still get their hopes up every time, e- even though it is, like, cautious optimi- optimism. Um, but, you know, I did a story actually last year about the, the fans just having to, to relive this over and over again, and it was amazing how much one guy changed everything. 100%. It was, yeah. Everybody suddenly believed that this was going to change because of Patrick Mahomes, and to an extent they were right. I mean... They did win one playoff game at right. home to break that streak. And to me, you always look at these things in, in sort of tenures. And I know Andy Reid's been here beyond Patrick Mahomes' tenure, but it's, it's, it's something new when you've got that combination. So I, I think the history of what Chiefs fans have had to experience is incredible, but I don't think that actually factors into to what we're going to see in, the, in this year's playoffs. I, I agree with that. Patrick Mahomes does change the sense yeah. uh, and the belief uh, of these, but... Let a couple of bounces go against him and the Chiefs. Oh my God! Yeah. Early on, yeah. I mean, and, and lose. It's a big favorite yeah. at home. I think. You, I think you'd Colin feel the. Itself. <laughs> I think if they get down early in a game, you'll, you'll feel the, uh, the the tension in the stadium for sure. Either way, yep. what happens early will have a big effect in the emotion around the stadium for sure. Because if they get up. 14 nothing or something, it's going to be an avalanche yeah. of of positivity and you yeah. know it. I don't know why this always gets in my head, but similar to the night before the wildcard game in 2014 when there was just an overwhelming, they whooped the Patriots behinds that night. Right. And there was just this overwhelming, oh, we're beating that team. And <laughs> but let them get down 14 nothing, and feel what happens there as well. There's going to be bottles flying, cover your heads. <laughs> That's what was most impressive about that Patriots game last year is nothing went right in that first half. And yeah. to see them come out and, they still, and came still force that game to overtime. I mean, they did a lot of things in that game. You mentioned the interception being one of them. But, I mean, Harrison Butker kicks, you know, one of the biggest field goals in franchise. Yeah, they did yeah. a lot of things right in that game to where if, if a coin toss goes their way, we're highlighting a lot of things as some yeah. of the, the best X in Chiefs history. Spencer Ware, Damian yeah. Williams. Yep. yep. 
I will say, that in the first half, there was a big play that they made. Reggie Ragland had an end zone yeah, interception yeah, in the That's first right. half yep. against, against the Patriots. Uh, but it was a 14 to nothing lead, and Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid have said since then that they just, Belichick just pantsed them in the first half. Just came up with a great game plan. Chiefs weren't ready for it, but they made the adjustment and were phenomenal in the, in the second half of that game. So... Yeah, look, I, it's it's tough. I don't know of another I don't know of another team that has gotten to the playoffs as often as the Chiefs with as little success as the Chiefs. And then as as Sam you mentioned, it's the way that they've lost games. So, so their season has ended each of the last three years with a home playoff loss. You know, home yeah. playoff loss. Yeah. You know, the, and I was thinking about this the other day when I mentioned the the, the three and eight all time record at home in the playoffs. That includes the Christmas Day loss. It started with the Christmas Day loss to the Miami Dolphins. The Patriots have won like four home playoff games in the last couple years, right? I mean, that's how they get to the Super Bowl every year, by playing home playoff games. And in 60 years, the Chiefs have won three home playoff games. It's ridiculous. God. Three. Three in 60 years. Can you name them all? Can you? Uh, All three home playoff games? Yes, the three home playoff victories in Chiefs. They beat the Colts last year. Yep. They beat the Steelers. Yep. Um, And what was that, 93? Yep. Yep. And I can't name the third one. The uh, the third one was the Oakland Raiders in 1991. Oh, that's right. The Todd Marinovich Oakland Raiders. And, and was that that they, they had beaten the Raiders? They had just played the Raiders the week before. That's right. right? So they beat yeah. them three times that year. Yeah. So um, Todd Marinovich. Todd Marinovich was the quarterback <laughs> for the Oakland Raiders. I, I said we weren't going back too far. In the, <laughs> but that's uh, yeah. That, that, that's your glorious home playoff. If any of us ever that's have, it. That's the list. <laughs> if any of us ever have a question like that, by the way, we always turn to you <laughs> and ask Todd it. Marinovich. Yeah. So, but they did. And I forgot who the Steelers quarterback was. Um, uh, Guy who was in the Super Bowl a few years later with the, when they lost to the Cowboys. Is that Bobby Brister? No, not Brister. Uh, Brian? No, no, not Donald. They have. Um, anyway, they have, Andrew Luck is by far the best quarterback they've beaten in a home playoff game. By far. Now out of football. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, his, like, his last game is <laughs> so right. shamed, so <laughs> shamed that he could not beat the Chiefs at Arrowhead. <laughs> he stepped away from the game. Uh, no better than Todd Marinovich. Right. <laughs> I'm out. All right. Um, even though the Chiefs don't have an opponent this week, they don't have a game, and we don't know their opponent, it doesn't stop us from plowing ahead with our where the rubber meets the road segment. This is where we usually identify a Chiefs player who we think is going to come up big or needs to come up big. And when we reconvene next Thursday, we will absolutely have a player for you. I think we'll have five of us here that, that then, too. Maybe. Maybe. We'll see if um, Vi still got <laughs> you know? <laughs> See if Vi's off, uh, off assignment <laughs> at that point. But um, So instead, I thought we'd do something a little bit different to, to commemorate the decade. What I ask these guys to come up with is a, is a Chiefs player who's not currently on the team but played for the Chiefs in the decade of the 2010s or the teens or whatever we call this decade uh, that just passed. If they could add one player from those teams to this team, um, who would you add and, and, and why? So, for example, for example, um, uh, I, I had suggested uh, – I'll go first for the example. Uh, I, I thought – Jamal Charles uh, would, would uh, be a nice fit for this team. Even though Damian Williams isn't, you know, is playing well and looks like a solid contributor, I just, I loved what Jamal Charles brought to the Chiefs, 
even when Andy Reid, he, he was great before Andy Reid got here, but when Andy Reid got here, I'll just never forget the game at Oakland where he caught four touchdown passes. You talk about a weapon out of the backfield. Oh, on screens. That on was screens. It was, it was Alex nuts. Smith had a perfect passer rating That's that right. day. That's right. Yes, maybe the only one in Chiefs history, a perfect <laughs> passer rating. So my choice was Jamal Charles. Add Jamal Charles to this team. I think it makes these Chiefs better. Sam, let's, let's start with you. Let's. Who, so there's a few that I considered. Um, I think Marcus Peters is worth consideration. And actually, like, maybe I'm the only person that would say this, uh, but wasn't it 2010 when Dwayne Bowe led the league in touchdown passes yeah. with uh, Matt Castle? Yep, yeah. yep, 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 yep. That's a hell of an accomplishment. How about, yeah, if a, that how, guy was on this team... As a third wide receiver. Yeah, that, yeah. that, that would be pretty strong. But to me, or there were second. three that stood above the rest. And I'm not going to steal Herbie's thunder. I know who he's going to take. And, and yeah. Charles was another one. Uh, so I'm going to say the good version of Eric Berry. When, when he was healthy, especially now with Juan Thornhill's injury. Um, I just think that kind of, I can't imagine like the good version of Eric Berry and this version of, of Tyron Matthew together, the playmaking, uh, you know, the, the brains, the physical yeah. ability, I think that would be terrific for this defense. Year after uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma, Eric yeah. Berry was phenomenal. Yep. All right, Herbie, what do you got? I'm gonna go on defense, I'm staying on defense as well, and I'm gonna go with number 56, Derek Johnson. Can, can you imagine DJ on this defense? He and Matthew being the vocal leaders yeah. of that group back there and to solidify the linebacker group, which as of right now, Hitchens is the guy that gets the majority of the snaps and then it's split up among everyone else. I, I think you put Derek Johnson on this defense, you got a winner. You're Super Bowl, you're going to the Super Bowl. He doesn't know how to cat tackle without that forward progress thing, though. It's, uh, <laughs> he, he was the guy who, who delivered the forward progress hit on Marcus Mariota that day. What a bad call. It was such a bad call. Unbelievable call. I agree, though, and a lot of, a lot of our um, viewers agree with you, Herbie. Um, all right, Sam. Um, well, I think Jamal Charles is, is the obvious guy, um, but although th these other ones are a good one. I'm going to cheat a little bit because his last year was 2010, but um, if you get a guy like Brian Waters in his prime, I think yes. an interior lineman that was an all-pro for five or six seasons, I, I, I think... He shores up a need for him. I like that. I, I thought of Rodney Hudson, too. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Center. Sure. Uh, who, Mitch Morris had some good years. Um, yep. Justin Houston. Just we got to mention that guy. Like, you know, if you put him opposite Frank Clark, that's In his prime with, with yeah. Chris Jones in the middle. Yep. And, uh, even though Terrell Suggs has given the, gave the Chiefs a, you know, a couple of good games. I expected yeah. him to be good. He's been better than just stronger, more active. I was thinking, God, this guy's too old. You know, he's just kind of a figurehead or whatever. But he, he can play. Yeah, no, no doubt. Um, all right, so let's um, let's let's wind it down and uh, and get these guys to. Oh no, they're not going to practice today. We practice is closed, even though the Chiefs practice. Practice is closed, um, but we all have other things to get to do today. I got to get my uh, oil changed here at Big O Tires in Stanley, Kansas. So uh, I will uh, uh, I will bid you fair adieu for Sam, Sam, and Herbie. Beth and Mike are here as well. Thanks for joining us today. We'll talk to you again next Thursday from a Big O Tires somewhere in the Kansas City area. Hey, links to Chief Stories can be found in the show notes on KansasCity.com and the Red Zone Extra app. Thanks to Facebook Live producer Beth Welsh and to Derek Donovan for putting together the podcast. We'll be back on Friday to break down the opening of conference basketball play in the Big 12 and SEC on Sportsbeat KC where we talk sports in Kansas City every day.